Hello, thank you for tuning into the Theta Gang podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGang.com. My name is Mina G, and I'd like to introduce our master Theta Gangster, Junie. Hope you enjoy the episode. Wow, our first female submission for the Theta Gang intro. Thank you, Mina, for saying that in. Uh, if you want to uh, have your intro uh, be played for the Theta Gang podcast, you can send your MP3 file to Juni at ThetaGang.com. Uh, just as a disclaimer, these are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in Boeing, NVIDIA, and ARC F. Thank you. Also, today is March 28th. All right, uh, let's head into earnings. Uh, on Monday, nothing really notable. On Tuesday, uh, before open, you have McCormick. Uh, McCormick is that salt and pepper brand. Uh-huh. After close on Tuesday, you have Blackberry, Chewy, and Lululemon. After close on Wednesday, you have Micron and Dave and & Buster's. Before open on Thursday, you have CarMax. Uh, there, obviously, there are a lot more companies reporting, but I usually only name the ones that I know or find interest in. Um, looking back, um, BlackBerry is a target short squeeze stock. Uh, there's probably a few of you that have BlackBerry stocks, so Tuesday is going to be a big day for some of you. Chewy will be make headlines because the CEO of Chewy is obviously on the board of GameStop, which um, is why GameStop is getting a growth valuation rather than a brick-and-mortar valuation. Uh, Lululemon uh, has been catching some uh, you know, eyes re- recently because... Uh, just athleisure and working from home, um, sales have been going up. Though um, you need to watch out for making a you know a bullish thesis about that for earnings, right? Earnings are very binary. You either win or you don't, <laughs> um, and it's very quick too. If you make an earnings play, that play is over after the earnings week is finished. Sure, you can buy a long longer dated option to make sure that you don't lose as much money. But the amount of premium you lose when you buy that call or that put after earnings still makes it an earnings play. And you need to make sure that when you go in and you purchase anything to do with earnings, if any part of earnings is in your thesis, it is an earnings play. You can make a lot of money or you can lose a lot of money. It's very rare that you fall in between and you break even. The amount of volatility premium that gets sucked out, the time premium exponentially increasing, especially if you bought the same week, um, you know, gets sucked out. Um, time and volatility is not on your side, especially if you are uh, buying the option. I'd even argue selling an option into earnings is also dangerous. That's where you know the fake theta gang people are like, oh, I make tons of money uh, by selling options to Wall Street bets. Oh, look at me, I'm so sick. Oh yeah. Um, you know, a lot of those people blow up uh, and then never, you know, talk about it. And then they go back to buying options because they're like, oh, Theta Gang is a lie because uh, I got assigned a lot of stock that I couldn't afford. Um, you know, the stock was supposed to stay above $50 or the stock was supposed to stay below $100. Um, earnings, if you subject yourself to have the mindset of making your or making money off of earnings, uh, you're headed down a very dangerous path. 
Um, if you play earnings for fun, if you like, if you play sports bets for fun, if you gamble with friends for fun, that's all cool. And I do all three, right? Like I love playing poker with friends. I love sports betting with friends. But when it gets down to it, if you're not having fun, you should not do it, right? If if your you know year to date profit loss is you know is make it or break it off of earnings play you're not going to have fun if that loses oh but you know judy i don't care about the money that i have in my portfolio don't tell me that i can't feel this way that's fine that's cool if you if you're stay true with yourself you really don't care about that money that's fine i think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast though that aren't as lucky as you because i'm sure that if you don't care about the money in your portfolio you're either super enlightened or you have a lot of money elsewhere you have a nice job or something but there's a lot of you know, desperate high school kids, uh, college graduates that might have this new influx of money and they get super frustrated and they all they know is Wall Street bets, which back in the day was a good thing. Now it's the landscape of Wall Street bets is changing and it's sad, but it's the truth. But if you want to grow your portfolio, you need to make sure that you trade with a plan and my only opinion on earnings is that they're fun. They should just not be in any sort of plan because they're so binary. Why? Because there's so much volatility and time premium sucked out of the option after earnings. Be extremely careful, but make sure you're having fun because that is the only point I'm trying to make. Have fun or don't play earnings. Real quickly, I want to take a note of Micron uh, reporting after close on Wednesday. Uh, a lot of you know that I'm heavily invested into semis, uh, namely NVIDIA. Um, you know, just going to be watching Micron to see what the sentiment is like for semiconductors moving forward. Um, you know, a lot of there's a lot of talk about like demand or like the just a rise of demand versus supply. Uh, Micron might shed a little bit more light on just the entire scenario in the you know the earnings call or the earnings report. Um, fun fact: a lot of you know you don't know, but if you uh, take a step back and realize the earnings call, uh, the real reason why you should be listening to that is the Q and A section. Uh, a lot of the earnings call is just read from a piece of paper from the earnings report, which is you know released, and that's when the price moves. The price moves because the earnings report is released. The price doesn't move because of the earnings call per se, right? The earnings call can go horribly, right? Like you can, you know, flub a flub a word, say a bad word, and the and the um, the stock can go down. That that is obvious fact. But more or less, companies just read off of a piece of paper that's already released prior to the call. And I feel like that's like a fun fact that a lot a lot of like newer investors don't know. Um, you know, in a case of it going bad, you can look at uh, Papa John's stock and how it dipped after, um, you know, the CEO said a bad word on the conference call uh, by accident. Um, you can see that, like, you know, a lot of slide decks uh, that are presented, like Snap earning calls, in my opinion, have some of the best earnings presentations. Hasbro has one of the best earnings presentations. Um, and that's just them going through a slide deck and reading, like, verbatim, basically, off the slide. 
Um, so yeah, will I be playing Micron? No, because I'm already invested heavily into other stocks that I like, that I enjoy, but just using Micron as an indicator for me um, on Wednesday would be uh, something cool to see. Before we move on to the new website updates, uh, I just want to read this email that I got from uh, a user named Barry Vox. Uh, he writes in, just found this site and pod over the weekend, love both and loaded all of my self-managed positions new to options and you've helped me understand some new strategies and risk reward concepts with them. I've mostly been paper trained to understand strategies. I haven't heard you mention this in the podcast and I think specifically for people who are new to trading, it's a good idea. People are making bad mistakes with real money because they didn't, they clearly didn't understand the trade. Paper trading definitely helps understand risk. Keep up the good work, Barry Vox. Hi Barry, uh, thanks for writing in. Um, I have a specific episode dedicated to paper trading, but seeing that you know a lot of newer listeners start with like some of the most recent episodes and then choose to go all the way back, um, I just thought I should leave a little tidbit here. So I do have a episode on paper trading that you might not have gotten to yet. Um, my opinion on paper trading is that it does not work. But if you feel like it works for you, then that's great. Uh, I think you're one of the lucky few that can benefit from paper trading. But I'd honestly say from for most people, uh, paper trading does not work. Um, think of the scenario if we deconstruct this further, if we don't even include options. You are someone that probably has bought in stock high and sold low. If you have not done that, then that's great. Then let's just shift the topic back to me. In my history, and because you know I only teach what I know and what works for me, in my history, I've bought in stocks tons of times at like all-time highs and sold when it was lower, only for it to rip higher. Paper trading does not prepare you for that. You don't lose anything in paper trading. When you buy your very first stock as like a high schooler or like, you know, when you're early in college, when you buy that first stock and it goes down a few cents, that feels bad. It goes down a dollar. It feels bad. You don't have any problem though buying like a dollar soda from the store or dropping like a penny on the ground. But when you see that you're down one penny on a position and you see that red number, it feels bad. And you start thinking and you start thinking and thinking, especially if you don't have a lot of money, right? Paper trading is a good exercise to do for, I'd say, veterans. It's very misconstrued. A lot of people think paper trading should be done for beginners, and while there's some aspects of paper trading that I do like, there's that whole aspect of like, yes, you do get to know what number you lose and like how option prices fluctuate, but putting that into practice is way harder because the market is just like the ocean. It's very unpredictable. It can be very beautiful, but it can be very mean, right? When you first put your your first thousand dollars into the market, you are at the whim of the market because chances are when you start something new, you don't know a whole lot of how things work. Um, and just to put an extra layer on top is you're going not, you're going to act emotional if it starts going down. You might also start acting emotional if it goes up. Imagine a scenario where um, you buy a stock, it starts going up, and you're like, wow, you know what? This is going to the moon. I'm going to buy 100 more shares after just buying one, right? You say, oh, I'm just going to dip my feet in, uh, buy one share, and then buy, and then tomorrow it rips, and you're saying, oh, I'm going to buy 100 more. What? Why not? This is already doing so well. I'm just going to do it. 
paper trading does not prepare you for those type of scenarios of getting overly greedy or overly scared because there's no concept of actually losing anything in paper trading. I think paper trading done like at a very, very, at a very core level of just understanding how prices work, then it's okay. But if you dictate your performance with paper trading and then try to translate that directly to real market trading, you're going to have a very, very bad time. Um, again, I feel like paper trading is more of a veteran thing than a, um, you know, a student of the market thing because veterans know how to properly discipline themselves and engage things at a very uh, unbiased point of view. I think if you paper trade a particular strategy um, during the course of you actively managing your other por like actual real portfolio, then yeah, you get to see like, okay, should I do this type of trading in my real portfolio? If it's, if it's working, yes, let's do it. If not, no. But again, if you don't have the concept of being able to hold while the stock is going down or you know not going all in when it starts going up, paper trading does not prepare you for that. And the sooner you get to uh, overcoming that through real market trading, the better, in my opinion, right? If you um, paper trade for like an entire year and then go into the market, it's going to be a whole different story than say like you just jump into the market with like money you can afford to lose like a hundred or a thousand dollars like it, every it's also relative like hundred dollars to some people is a ton a thousand dollars to some people is a ton the ten thousand dollars to some people is a ton if you start real market trading with real money you'll be able to control your emotions better when you get to higher amounts of money but that doesn't directly translate from paper trading with like a million dollars killing it and then going to real market trading with a thousand dollars and on your thousand dollar trade you it goes down like 20 bucks and you sell right like w what was that for so lots of opinion there and you know i can maybe tell that some people are like triggered i, I get this vibe whenever i say something triggering but um I, I hope this you can hear this from a good place like i'm not dissing paper trading in a way where like i think it's dumb i think there's a time and place for it um, but just saying that like as a blanket statement for all beginners to do is I think the wrong approach. Um, but thank you for writing in Barry. I appreciate you. I appreciate the email and the kind words, and I hope you have an amazing week. Moving on to the new ThetaGang.com website updates. V2 is still on the way. I do have a target date though. So end of April is the target date. Um, I feel very strongly that it can come out before then. Um, but late April is absolutely the latest it will come out. V2 is so much faster. It is so much cleaner. Um, you know, I was just talking to you know some of my friends in Discord. And someone asked, like, Juni, what are some of the optimizations that you did? A lot of V2 is, you know, V0 plus V1 with, uh, you know, all the extra stuff taken out. All the ideas that never truly came into fruition. All the ideas that were never super polished. Um, V0 is, you know, 
the version of the website when only I had trades, basically. Uh, V1 is when I first started letting other people add trades. Um, and then V2, this one, is basically uh, V1 plus V0, uh, just with all the other extra stuff, again, taken out. Um, everyone's gonna love it. I know I know you guys and girls will. Uh, it's gonna be very fun. Uh, and I'm going to be celebrating on Twitter and on the stream. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a good time. Uh, I am looking though for a 404 graphic. If you wanna send a 404 graphic uh, uh, and have it shown on the website, you can send it to Juni at ThetaGang.com. A lot of people ask like, uh, Juni, you, you, you ask for these stuff, do people send them in? Uh, I actually don't get a lot of submissions. So don't think like it's gonna be a, like a waste of time. And you know, if I see that you put a lot of effort into it, it'll, it'll make it in. Um, you know, I can have multiple 404 graphics. It could be, you know, just image URLs in an array with random whenever someone gets there. Um, and I think it'd be really cool. Uh, if you don't know what a 404 graphic is, do not worry about it. Uh, but, you know, I do know that there's some tech nerds in there, <laughs> out there somewhere um, that, <laughs> that I'm talking to. So if you know a UX person that would love something on their resume or something, then uh, by all means, uh, have them listen to this episode, listen to this request, and have it have them send it to juni at datagang.com. Uh, on Twitter, um, you know, last, yesterday? No, it was last week, so or just last week, a few days ago. Uh, I had a small little Twitter competition. Um, I thought it was very fun. Um, I basically wrote this string uh, that said, I love NVIDIA $500. I keep eyeing an eye on AMD. NVIDIA is still my favorite though. And then I wrote on the bottom of that uh, string or that you know sentence, I said, write a function in JavaScript that returns a unique array of tickers without the dollar sign. Pay attention to not return the period after AMD and not return the number 500. Um, I got a few submissions there. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Todd Horse, Stinky Steve's Dio, and Gus DLR for the temps. Um, but there was a user named Stan that I want to congratulate and say thank you to um, for you know winning and just straight up wrote the best regex. And so uh, he got a flare on the website. If you want to go to theatergame.com/stan, um, and it was just super fun, just giving people an opportunity to you know see. You know the daily challenge i don't want to say challenges but like the daily you know logic that i have to kind of sort of you know write in code and so that is basically the regex i'm going to be using for the back end for when you um write something in your notes right if you write that uh or <laughs> sorry not your notes but your mentions right if you tag someone or if you um, tag a symbol like if you write bling nvidia or dollar sign nvidia uh, that that comment will go to the nvidia page um, lots of cool little tidbits here i'll try to do those more often uh, i had a lot of fun doing it um, and yeah Um, today's topic of don't get stuck. Um, this one uh, is a pretty good one to try to learn early, but it's very hard to learn early. It's one of those things where it's like, I can say earnings are dangerous a million times, but it's until you get got by an earnings play, you're not going to really learn. 
um, or you know, not saying like, oh, you know, I'm better than you, so you have to learn this way, or you're gonna do survive. You can obviously play earnings, smash out of the park, win a million dollars, and then I'm just gonna say like, nice, good stuff, like just run away with that money now. <laughs> um, but not getting stuck is very important um, as you get more and more money, and that means like you know, money from a hobby or money from a job. Um, not getting stuck is very important. Now, what I mean by that is, once you see a strategy work, or a, you know, more on the more on this topic is, once you see a trade work, it should not necessarily uh, be the end all be all of what you're going to do for the rest of the week. You need to come up with like again, I talk about the system all the time. You need to create your own system. Um, that will tell you whether or not you know opening another one of these is okay. Um, let me give an example um, of getting stuck. So let's take the coronavirus crash as an example. And anyone that had bought and puts during the like the first two weeks of the coronavirus crash um, made money, made lots of money. No one thought that the economy would go down that low. It was a very scary time, and people that bought puts printed. Right, it was very easy um, to make money off of puts. Was it easy to buy puts for newer investors? Yes, because they don't know how how often puts lose. Right, like puts are basically you know insurance for stocks. Like they're supposed to lose if used correctly. But when you sorry, when you you use it correctly for a long portfolio, I can already tell people are like, oh, you could buy puts for this, you could buy puts for this. Just for that example, it's for a long portfolio. Um, not getting stuck means people at the bottom of coronavirus, like the bottom of the stock chart, kept on buying puts, right? They saw that V-shaped recovery start to happen, and they were like, oh, you know, we're going to go, double dip again for sure. We're going to double dip again for sure. We're going to test the lower support for sure. And so as the V-shaped recovery started happening, they would keep buying puts, they would say, you know, um, oh, puts are getting cheaper, and you know we're going to hit a double bottom again. Keep buying puts. They're getting cheaper and cheaper. You can buy more, and then you could be super rich on the way down again. But lo and behold, it didn't happen. The double dip didn't happen. I thought personally that it can happen, right? I bought puts during the V recovery. I bought like one or two that were like, um, they were Apple. There was a put. Uh, put debit spread on Apple that was like a thousand bucks it was like one percent of my portfolio um, and I bought a put on I think Shopify that I closed early all of that can be seen on thetagang.com slash juni like I have proof of me losing right but I used a lot of um, you know a lot of my system there were like I kept my hedges small my position sizing was correct um, and all that good stuff but that's that's not the point um I did not get stuck uh, because, first of all, I never made the money on the way down buying puts. In fact, I got assigned a lot of stock for a lot of money, and that was not fun. <laughs> um, but for those that did buy puts, they made a lot of money on the way down, and as the V-shaped recovery started happening, they made it. They started losing money. Um, they, and then they started doubling down on losing money because they thought that the double dip was going to happen, but it never happened. What's important there to learn is that just because 
you know, you made money on puts on the way down does not mean it has to keep going down. Oh, and, you know, some of you are thinking right now, Junie, that's like the most obvious advice ever. Like, why, why, why even say that? Like, why is this even a topic? Like, obviously, just change your mind when the stock market starts going up again, right? Because stocks always go up. Why would I keep buying puts? But the fact is, a lot of people did keep buying puts. A lot of people did. There's a lot of like semi-famous people on YouTube that did, right? Like I know the names of them. I know the specific uh, tweets. I know the specific videos of them uh, admitting to buying puts and doubling down or going all in on puts and then getting got. But they don't talk about those anymore. So when you take the moment and understand that even the best or even the you know the supposedly the smartest people, they get got by this not getting stuck strategy or getting stuck strategy. Just because you make money on a certain position doesn't mean you need to keep doing it. Now, if it's part of a system, by all means, keep doing it because you have all the different variables in check. Like, for example, if you know, like me, um, if I'm consistently selling um, puts and then selling cover calls um, and then uh, making money on the way up, I did pretty well last year. I made around like fifty percent. Um, just wheeling and sticking to my guns during the whole entire corona crash. Again, you can see the, all my trades at theadian.com slash Juni. Um, because you have a system, you have you know, probability of profit in mind. You have position sizing in mind. You have um, you know, your net worth in mind. Like You have all these different factors of like, okay, do I have enough money to actually buy more of this position here is it safe what is the max loss in this scenario can i handle the max loss can i handle uh, these puts going to zero can i handle uh, buying more stock and having the double dip actually happen these are all part of a system that makes you think and make you makes you come up with a better formulated response to external events like the crash if you just blindly buy puts on the way down on the coronavirus crash. You made money. You probably made more money than anybody with a system. You made more money than me. I I didn't necessarily lose money, but I got assigned uh, a lot of stock and my money was red for very, you know, I you know, looking back, it wasn't that long because the V was so, you know, V the V was very sharp, but it did feel bad. But anyone that bought puts during that time frame did better than me. But in the long run, I did better than anyone buying puts on the uptrend, right? Especially those that did get stuck and had the mentality that we're going to double dip and kept on buying puts. Okay, and to top off the episode, uh, I want to give a little bit more of my like current experience of not getting stuck and you know how I'm applying it to my trading strategy. Um, so these last few weeks, I have bought in a few puts. Again, you can go to thetagame.com slash Juni to see those. And, you know, you know, some of them win, some of them don't. Some of them win pretty big. But, like, do I, when they when it wins big, do I, you know, let it ride? No. I close it out for a profit that I'm happy with. Um, do I buy more? No. Because, you know, puts aren't my main strategy. It's just to literally hedge. And so, you know, I could see... A newer investor 
you know, having some long stock, but then like also wanting to experiment by buying some puts. And then they start seeing the puts starting to print. And they're like, you know, my stock is already going to go down. I might as well just sell my stock and just buy puts, you know. Uh, the stock market is doomed. I think the stock market is going to keep going down, you know. Uh, why, why would I want to tie up my capital and, uh, you know, have my money go down while I can't buy puts? I'm making money on the way down. And it's some of that mentality where you need to just take a step back and understand what are like your goals. Like what what do you want? Do you want to do you want to like find happiness in the market by buying puts or and buying calls and making money on those? Like like the short term ones. Do you just like that you know gambly feeling of like or being able to time the market? Do you enjoy that feeling? Maybe that brings you happiness. Or are you looking to build an actual bigger portfolio like maybe you are one of those investors that, that are like you know five to ten k range or maybe five to seven k range and you're you just want to hit those ten or those five digits right you want your first f- five digit portfolio and you think that you know now buying puts is the option because you see all this tech weakness and then you you know you want to capitalize on it the best way to grow your portfolio is through auto deposits i don't care what anyone else says when you start your auto deposits, you get access to better profit, or better probability profit trades. You get just a little bit more confidence because you're playing with a little bit more money, and it has it's it keeps you grateful for your portfolio, right? Like I remember when I was trading a smaller account, when I was trading options on like a three to five to six k account, I would you know oh what's what's two thousand bucks on this earnings play you know that's like it's x percentage of my paycheck i can make that back super quick like whatever dude um but you know as i started doing you know dating game i was building a website i put all this time and effort into the podcast um and just like the twitter platform and everything as loud as i can be too um you know i try to make sure that i set a good example and that's what helps me trade better too and when it comes down to um you know people making these you know hard i consider these very hard decisions to do right like i don't just say like just just don't don't gamble your money away i don't say that because i understand what it's like to want to gamble your money or you know want to time the market or because you you want to be right there's something in you that just wants to be right on a few of these options and then it, it, it just feels good right even when my puts um uh, exit for green i feel good right like even even if it's like my main portfolio position is going down <laughs> me being right on the put feels good so i still have that itch in me of course i'm not saying like i'm the perfect trader but you know when you start thinking about the long term goal mine obviously being having a really nice house um it starts making you protect your nest egg just a little bit more a lot of you don't treat your portfolio as a nest egg. A lot of you might have like a 401k or an IRA that you might treat as a nest egg, which is absolutely true. It, like to this day, like I'll still consider my IRA my nest egg. But my portfolio is way more important than my IRA in terms of just like size. So I try to make sure that, you know, my portfolio is protected. Like I I do I cannot mess around with my portfolio if I want a nice house. That's just something that I've come to grips with and it helps me trade um, more responsibly, helps me trade with a better head between my shoulders. Um, and I hope you know that can shed a little bit of light into 
Even Junie buys puts sometimes. Even Junie buys leaps sometimes. But Junie is in a different place in his life than a lot of the listeners, right? You can buy leaps if you know you have 100k plus and buying one leap for 3k is like three percent of your portfolio that makes total sense buying a leap for three thousand dollars when you're a college kid with only three thousand dollars that doesn't make sense well you can buy puts if you're hedging a portfolio that is the responsible and that's how it's supposed to be used right uh because you know puts Granted, if they get exercised, you get to sell them to someone for that price in case if there's a crash. Puts are insurance for your stocks if you buy puts for your stocks. But Wall Street Bets and you know the access to Robinhood and how easy it is to buy puts uh, has conditioned people to think like, okay, this is just the thing that you buy in case if you think the market's going to go down. A lot of people are successful trading like that, but you need to, you know, set yourself for success, you need to start building your portfolio so that maybe one day you can buy puts to be responsible, not just to buy puts to time something. Um, not to say also, and I, you know, a lot of people take my things out of context. If buying puts and buying calls brings you happiness, I will never take that away from you. I'll never even try to talk you out of it. If it's fun to you, keep doing it. I, there's... N- if anything in life that you do is fun to you, keep doing it, right? I mean, granted, it's not something horrible like, you know, killing people or, you know, causing harm to people. But, like, if it's fun, do it, right? If you think something is whack, like, you know, if you, you know, if I, I solder wires. I, uh, I, I tinker with electronics. I, I skateboard. I play video games. Um, I collect magic cards. I, I do all these nerdy things because it makes me happy. If buying calls, buying puts, if selling way out the money, you know, options is your thing, or like selling strangles, even though Junior says it's dangerous, is your thing. If playing earnings is your thing that makes you happy, keep doing it. And that's absolutely just bottom line for me. If it's fun to you, please keep doing it. But understand if any of these fun activities ever result you in a scenario where you are scared, um, you know, you're too embarrassed to talk about it with your friends, but you're really sad, the twitch.tv slash real gang where I stream every Tuesday is absolutely the place where you can just chill, hang out, have a good time. Uh, you can listen to other people with, you know, some of their traveling trades or listen to some people's successes too. There's there's some successes in the chat. There's lots of helpful people in the chat there you know and also some other uh, you know lonely people too i've always mentioned that the stream is um it, it's just a good time so if you want to stop by on tuesday again 6 p.m pacific time at twitch.tv slash real theta gang um just just stop by and say hi um and i think i think that's it i was going to stop there and i was going to leave this for the one percent at the end um but i think it's just overly important to not not bring up at least one time for you know this month um if you have loved ones like you know your parents or your grandparents or your your favorite auntie your favorite uncle your you know your sister brother or your favorite friend your best friend call them like it it might seem like the most awkward thing ever especially if you haven't called in a long time 
And the first call after a long time is always the hardest. But if that call results, you know, into making someone else's day feel better, including yours, uh, then I think it's a great idea. If you don't think it will be fun, don't do it. But if, you know, if, if I can have any genuine input in here, because coronavirus is more than just a virus. It's like an, it's an entire feeling. A lot of people get really lonely during this time. A lot of people uh, feel sad during this time. A lot of people are discovering what makes them happy and what doesn't make them happy. And few people are finding that their time is a lot more valuable than spending it like all day in a location at work, right? And some people are ha- some people are more lucky than others to find things that are fun to them. And some people uh, are working from home and they don't have hobbies and they're just sitting there alone and you know working from home. Or if they don't have a job, they're just sitting home alone, not having any hobbies. And um, just talking about this stuff, like it kind of reminds me of like you know my parents and uh, I try. To, I'm definitely learning really quickly that I you know wasn't as calling as much as I should have been. I wasn't visiting as much as I should have been and. Well, now I'm here in Monterey Bay visiting them, and it's like one of the most, you know, it's one of the best plays that I've made in a very long time. So um, if you have the time, call your parents, call your parental figure, call your best friend. Just call someone that you feel you haven't talked to in a long time that you think, um, you know, also misses you. I'm sure even if you don't think they miss you, I'm sure they do. Um, But yeah. Just want to leave uh, a wholesome note at the end of this episode, and I will catch everybody in the outro. If you have to leave, uh, you know, I'll go and see everybody on the Tuesday live stream. If you can't catch the live stream, I'll see everybody in the next podcast episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, my name is Junie, and uh, yeah. Okay, you can follow me on Twitch at Real Theta Gang. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Theta Gang. You can email me at juni at thetagang.com. Theta Gang is proudly partnered with Tastyworks, and signing up with the Theta Gang referral code is a huge help. That's Theta Gang, one word, all caps. Uh, I just want to tell you all good luck, and we're counting on you. <laughs> that was a request from one of my patrons in the Discord. Uh, I think that's a quote from a movie. Never seen that movie, though. The, the There was a... Uh, a screenshot of that movie uh, in the Discord, and the movie looks quite old. So, <laughs> or sorry, it's not old; it's vintage. <laughs> um, let me pull up the patrons list here, real quick. I want to give a quick shout out to Majadier, Just Win, Mike D, Slow Motion, Jay Z, and Miko Stevens. Can't make money IRL. PFM, DJ Mac eighty six, Pacro, Boop two eight six five, Mitch Brady seven, Avrilian. 
Craig Thomas, G.J. Wilson, McFly, Statistically Random, Tom Thomas, Mr. Theta, Drevy, Rob PDX40, Island Bell, Wheaton, Soups, Mojo, Na, Oda, Cheese, Maltman, 1856, Chivanis, NM, M. Hayden, <gasps> Little, Mr. Sneezy, Metal Dum Dum, Grandpa 95, Gorlami, Salami, Leo Jetson, Johnny Five, Fancy Wolf, Bizu, Engine, Nate the River, Descendant, Murph Q, Wilkai, Norfis, Fury, Bat Trader, Chicken Dinner. Name a better duo than Bat Trader, Chicken Dinner. Howard T. Duck, Ober, uh, Slava Litvin. By the way, Ober has one of the best flares I've ever come up with in my life, and that's Ober Eats. <laughs> Ivan Yurkinov, Red, Blue, Red, Green, Blue, Roadster 99, Desentia, Saltwater, Cure, Lord Skeletor, Laser Reserve, and Suggester, Crispy Cream Boy, Hermes Kaput, Rusty Earth, Shifty, AG, and Ensis 88. <sighs> so that's it. Wow. Yeah. Um... Wow. That was good. That was, today was a good episode. Um what do I need do I need to say anything more? Not not really. Oh, you know, yeah, I guess. I t- I've taken up well, I wouldn't say I've taken up golf, but I'm starting to find interest in it now. And so, um just being like my minimalist self cuz I really like breaking concepts. So, as I'm learning to golf, right, and I, you know, there's probably a lot of golf listeners, to be honest, on a financial podcast, <laughs> um, but how I'm going to learn it is, well, I have, like, a lot of friends that are actually really good at golf, um, but I did some digging on Quora, and um, I figured that you don't need an entire club set, and I started doing some more and more research on uh, what are the bare minimum clubs that you need to, um, you know, play a whole round of golf? And I saw this really awesome Cora post about um, one person or one person going with his friend uh, to the golf course, and the 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 main person, the one that's writing the Cora post, uh, we'll we'll call him John. John you know is swinging his driver super hard and he's hitting the iron onto the onto the putting green and he's like putting it in and he's just having the time of his life and then three holes in the other friend is like uh just you know playing around with the same same set of clubs and everything but the john is owning it up and then he tells his friend hey you know let's do five bucks for the rest of the course uh, and then his friend let's just call him out let's just call him nathan um so john asked nathan to put like five dollars per hole and nathan says you know let's just make it 20 and so john having the best you know golfing day for a very long time says okay let's do it (laughs) and then nathan puts away all of his clubs besides the three wood a seven iron and a putter and John is just like, wait, what? And then John is continuing to play, but you know he's been getting really lucky because he's John is newer than Nathan, but John is hitting it really, really hard um, and like not really aiming all that well. But he has all these clubs to help him, you know, aim better. But then Nathan is using just his three wood, his seven iron, and putter the entire time, and Nathan smokes this dude. And then it's the end of the Quora post is just basically saying, you know, if you just get really good at anything, 
you don't you shouldn't need every single tool and i i dude i vibe with that so hard because that's exactly how i approach trading it's like there's so many different tools you can use for trading but like if you just focus on the ones that work for you like by all means like you will excel and so i've you know with my system i feel like it's pretty dang simple i think people complain that's so simple sometimes um but just translating that into golf and so yesterday i got a three wood and so i'm gonna get really good with three wood i'm gonna get really good with an iron and i'm gonna get really good at putting and then whenever i go play golf with my friends you know maybe they get you know some of my more more of my friends get into the hobby and start playing with them they're gonna be like wait you you you're only bringing those clubs <laughs> and then i i want to i want to reply to that core post with like how i'm doing I, it's, I, oh, I i love it when you just find gems like that that like resonate with with you you're not like just blindly um reading it as like advice or a good story but like oh it felt so good reading that because all of these other you know searches on google pointed me to like really old threads or really old forums, like not even on Reddit, like really old forums. And, you know, you see all these like really old, rich people saying like, oh yeah, you absolutely need this and this and this and this. And that might be true for like, if you're Tiger Woods, right? Like Tiger Woods obviously knows what he's doing and he has an entire golf set. But uh, me being me i don't think i'm ever gonna need an entire golf set to min max my performance like that i think if i just can hit straight with three of those clubs then i'll be fine and so that is what i'm going to be probably doing for you know with my off time um you know when i'm not taking care of like my mom um and just chilling with friends that you know i do get to see while i'm up here in Monterey, which i'm thankful for um i think i've mentioned on stream and or the podcast before about my friend marshall and how he's like my very first friend in my entire life where like i was in elementary school first day because i didn't go to preschool uh, i kicked the ball at the end of recess it hit the back of the teacher's head and i blamed on marshall and marshall just took the blame and then we became friends ever since uh and so him being my first friend he's one of the main people i hit up when i come back to uh marina marina's uh I'm, I say Monterey County all the time, but Marina is actually where like I'm from from. Uh, and so when I'm in Marina, I hit Marshall up. And he's really good at golf. And he has a friend that's super good at golf, so they help me uh, pick out a club and everything. And this, the vibes up here in NorCal are just different. It's it's more chill. I, I'd also say it's this is more like central. It's not like San Francisco where like I feel like productivity is like the main thing like productivity in san francisco is all-time high and it's very stressful central is chill socal is chill um but there's a lot of societal pressure well i mean i guess there's societal pressure everywhere but like socal is like uh definitely like flex city like you, you flex in socal everyone has a nice car in socal it's very it's very superficial norcal is very nerdy it's very techy it's very product productivity based central where you know the farmers are it's really it's really a different vibe and it's a good like mental checkout spot for me so when i do go back to socal you know i'm like refreshed and I'm, I'm i'm humbled i say that all the time like i come back to you know my parents house and then i go back to 
SoCal, and then suddenly I don't, you know, uh, need to. Well, I guess I never, I never really was into like buying clothes, but yeah. Oh, that was a long ramble. That was like what, like seven minutes? I haven't done these in a long time, but that's that's basically where I am at. So, you know, during a normal day, I like. <laughs> here's me rambling a little bit more during a normal day like i wake up at like eight um and then i walk to the living room kiss my mom uh grab a cup of coffee and then go back to my room uh and then like perform work for a little bit and then i'll go back outside after i get like a good start on work because there's like a lot of stuff i have to do for like my work work not dating but like work work that i need to just get squared away in the morning and then once all that stuff is over, I'll like go outside, uh, like at like I don't know eight thirty or nine, and then just sit on the couch next to my mom, and she'll watch these like videos of people eating. Uh, they're called mukbang, and I think that'd be I think it'd be really funny to be honest if I did a mukbang video, and then I had my dad like put it on for her, and she just, uh, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like she would just like that. Um, yeah. Uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, I just want to say thank you for listening, and I will catch everybody next week. Uh, it, it's It's been and still a pleasure to host the podcast and uh, you know develop the website for everybody. And, uh, yeah, it's all fun. I love it. Uh, and I hope you find something fun, too. <laughs>